It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com What is going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Um, so, podcast time. Um, Ariel Free. I met Ariel, um, I think, 2019 in Miami. Um, I was playing a show and she was on holiday out there. Um and I knew her from from Radio One um, vaguely, um, and we kind of kept in touch since then. And since then, her career has just bloomed into this amazing radio touring DJ producer career, and it's been amazing to see. Um, so I asked if she wanted to come on the show, and she luckily said yes. Um, she's done some amazing things in her career. She's currently resident at a high in Ibiza for David Guetta's night. She has a show on BBC Radio 1, 8 till 10 p.m. at night in the weekdays. Um, she's also done some amazing things for charity recently um, for Comic Relief in the UK. She raised over godly amounts of money, I think £600,000. Um, she did this rave-a-thon on a bike for five days or five days of like 10 hours DJing and 10 hours cycling a day absolutely mad um we all got into this on the podcast um she is absolutely amazing and a breath of fresh air I love I love talking to her she's a beautiful human being um so enjoy this one because I definitely did without further ado Ariel Free Ariel Free hi pal how's it going I mean, it's good. It's manic, but it's good. How's your summer going? Are you sleeping enough? Uh, my summer. <laughs> Should we ever sleep enough? <laughs> my summer is actually, in comparison, it's pretty chill this year. Um, oh, that's nice. Which is actually nice. It's like last year I was doing so many back and forths from America to Europe. Like yeah, I remember that. Like literally, like it was wild all the time. And this year I'm still doing a lot of back and forths, but it's nowhere near as much as it was. What about you? You need to have you need to have the summers like that though, don't you? Like you have to have ones where you're just like not. I'm okay. I'm pretty much mostly Europe in summer, which is nice. I yeah. only did my first couple of gigs in the states in March for like my music week and whatnot. I'll be back out for like winter and. But because of the residency in Ibiza on Friday, it's just getting from Ibiza every Saturday to the next gig. Yeah. Sometimes it's direct flights. Sometimes it's absolutely not. And you just got to kind of hope that every flight goes on time or waits for you if you are a bit delayed for the connecting flight. It's such a nightmare, isn't it? Last year was horrendous. This year, touch wood, no delays so far. That's good. Also, also, there's like direct flights to Scotland, which they didn't have last year. I was like, that's so 
But that discriminates us against our Scottish waivers. We love a bit of Ibiza. Well, we're not doing direct flights, but they've they've amended that this year. That's probably why, like, back by popular demand, <laughs> the Scottish need yeah. to rave. <laughs> They were all just traveling down to Newcastle and the Newcastle fight's just got annoyed with it. And it's like, no, we can't deal with the tune and we G's. Yeah, that is literally a recipe for disaster of raving yeah. in the airport. No matter how early you try and make that flight, they're still going to be there with a bottle in hand, handing it around. And also we have, because of Brexit, we now have a separate queue in Ibiza when we arrive yeah. because we have to get a stamp on our passport now. And so there's just this constant, like, huge queue yeah. for, like, the UK, like, um, arrivals. And then, like, anyone else who arrives from anywhere else within Europe, like, the States or ever, they just sail through security. I'm quite jealous. It's such a fucking joke, isn't it? Well, it's just, like, I my passport, I had to get renew it because I'd run out of pages. And then I had to get a second one anyway for visas. Mm. And now I've got to get another one because we, I get stamped every time. I'm doing 18 dates in Ibiza. And also, yeah. like, most of my gigs are in, like, Croatia, Malta, like, I had to get a stamp for every single one of those stops. Mm-hmm. So like in one weekend, I've amalgamated about like eight stamps yeah. and it's costing a fortune just to like get new pages or get another passport. Yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And also, and you go to like Amsterdam and like certain places in Europe where they stamp you in and stamp you out. Yeah, that's everywhere. And you're Pretty like, much everywhere. why? Like, why? you don't need to... Also, you have like the Schengen now, which is basically like the mm. computer version of it. Yeah. So it's like, it's all on your computer. You mm-hmm. know when I've entered into Europe and when I've come back out of it. Yep. So it's like, you don't really need to like do a little stuff. It feels very old school. I remember when I was a kid, like waiting for the stamp, like, you know, when you yeah. go to your holidays, like Benidorm. Um, but now I'm just a bit like, it's just an extra bit of admin that we don't need in our lives. Yeah, I totally agree. I My passport, like, you know, when you go back through London uh, Heathrow and you it's all like electronic and you put your passport in. Mm. My passport, like, absolutely spazzed out all the machines and <laughs> and i had to go to like the see the like custom officer and then he put it in his machine and it completely like broke his computer as well what and he was like do you have another passport i was like yeah here's my other passport he was like just use this next time because he's like your passport isn't like the machine is not liking your passport at all and yeah. i was like why um I arrived once, uh, me and Melly were on the same flight back from a gig somewhere and like we, he sailed through security and mine came up like you have to go to the desk because my chip wasn't working for, on my older mm. one. And then this woman at the, like, the, the, the border was like, oh, um, can you just look at me? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then she got over here. She's like, I need you not to smile now. And I was like, yeah, right away. And she's like, this isn't you. And I was like, what? And then basically my, my passport, when they scanned it, had come up with someone else's no photo. No way. So then she was like getting someone else. She's like, look at this. She's like, this is not funny. I need you to take this seriously. And I was like, but I'm obviously laughing because it's, <laughs> it's my passport. That's my picture. And I just said to Chrissy, I was like, you go on, babe. Don't wait for this. I was like, I feel like I'm going to be here for a long time. And she just was so annoyed that I was like, just not, I was just finding the whole situation like hilarious. Mm. So I was like, I was, well, what do you want me to do? It's not my problem that your computer isn't working properly. Yeah. Also, you're British. Like, let us fucking, let me in the country. Yeah, exactly. I had another gig to go to that day and I was like, I'm I'm going to just keep chilled about this because I can find a really stressful situation or I yeah. can just laugh at the situation. And then she was like, next time you need to make sure that you've got like other photo ID with you. And I was oh. like, surely my photo in my passport like is sufficient <laughs> enough to show that like that is me. Just because it isn't showing the same photo on your computer, that's not my problem. It's also like anyway. the like highest level of ID that anyone can ever get. Yeah. You have, and she's like, You're, do you mean you don't have another form of ID? And I was like, oh, I don't have a driver's license at the moment. So like, I don't have any other ID that you set my bank card, baby. 
Oh, these customs people are hilarious. Have you experienced them in America often? No, I've actually, so far, I had, like, nice experience in America. Um, That's good. Someone warned me about Miami taking ages, like that customs, but mm. um, I did have to queue for a bit, and you have this global entry yeah. thing, right? yeah. Apparently, that's going to save me a lot of time, but I have to arrive into the States to get it yeah. um, from one of the airports. I can't get it online. Um, but so far, it's been like easy breezy. One of my friends is from Liverpool, and whenever she gets stopped, she just says that she's John Lennon's like long-distance cousin, <laughs> and they love it. And they just like let her through. Like, no way! You're you're related to Beatle? And then, yeah, she gives them this whole spiel, and they always believe it. It's just like sails through. Who's famous <laughs> Who's famous as Scottish that you could kind of pull away from? pull that card out i know maybe i could say andy murray is my brother <laughs> they're not gonna fucking know who andy murray is you, really i can't say calvin harris um <laughs> uh, maybe lewis capaldi they all know lewis capaldi yeah lewis capaldi could work. my wee brother <laughs> that's hilarious yeah no american american um immigration is just another level of annoying people have you seen that Twitter page, like DJ's Moaning? Uh, yeah. And like that is one of the things that always comes up when someone's like, Moaning. I think I saw Richie Armour the other day, like, moaning about it. <laughs> and then it was just like, they just repost it. When you just see, like, DJ's Moaning again and repost, I'm like, ah, oh, because I was trying to get my bags from a flight that got missing. Yeah. And it was Buling. And I was like, hey, Buling, do you want to reply? It's like my emails and my online chat and my phone calls, please. And someone's like, oh, DJ's Moaning again. And I was like, well, this is serious. I've like, lost all my stuff. I'm allowed to have a go at someone for losing all of my it was like the shortest flight ever it was from barcelona to um abita like it's literally 40 minutes how can you lose my bags and my flight is like less than an hour you're because you're flying with viewling and you're flying from barcelona to ibiza that is exactly why <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're like we'll just sail it over i'll be there before you anyway <laughs> talking about losing shit how the fuck did you lose leave your laptop in glastonbury <laughs> <laughs> so in classic, like, freestyle, uh, Glassmere was, like, a lot of work for me this year. I got asked really last minute to do the, the TV coverage, which for me as a broadcaster was, like, proper, like, dream yeah, moment. Like, amazing. when I started radio and, like, getting into this whole weird and wonderful world, like, one of the main aims was, like, to be part of Glassmere to be part of Brits. And then I was already booked to DJ, and I, I uh, host the West Salt stage in between all the bands. So, like, they have, like, a signing stage. So I always want to encourage people to go over and meet, like, the acts. And they have some incredible acts, like Solange and Anderson yeah. Pack and Lyle Carner. And, like, for people in the UK, like, they don't often get those opportunities to meet, like, such incredible, like, talent. Yeah. And, um, and it, they, they also, I think Lyle Carner spent two hours at the signing pen. It was amazing. Wow. So I was already booked on that. And then I got asked the TV stuff and then the DJ stuff. And I was like, but I've, I've not given myself enough time to really nail my DJ sets. And one of them was going out with monkey back to back in the radio and the second one was the glade it's the biggest stage i've done so far last year was my first year djing at um glass marine it was like four thousand capacity ten the glade can hold up to like eight and a half thousand yeah. i was really nervous and i just was like that typical thing of overthinking everything what my laptop with me so when i was driving down i was just like going over my tunes like getting my cue points like figuring out what i wanted to do and i was like oh this is such a bad idea to bring my laptop to glastonbury of <laughs> what have i done but in, and as experiences go, Glastonbury's is one festival where I think all your valuables are the safest. Like I've never known anyone yeah. to be like mugged or like yeah. robbed or like their tents being like licked in and whatnot. Like people are just like in a bubble of love. And um, 
because I was like, right, I don't want to lose this. I hid it under like my mattress and then like wrapped it up and hid it. And I hid it so well that when I left and we did like the big like check, I just didn't lick under the mattress. And so then I didn't realize until the Monday night and I had a gig in New York on the Tuesday. And as when I was like packing myself in Morocco, I was like, where's my... And was like, oh, like glass of free. Um manically emailed them and it's just this like generic info at Glastonbury like yeah. I was like oh my god someone please find this and I was like I was in tent 27 in the interstate area just hidden under the mattress and they'd actually like packed down the tent mm. and like just left the mattress I think they just like slot them all like this and so they had to like find no it, take way. it out, and then find it hidden under the mattress and they're like yeah we've got it but that was like three days later I should have got it um, when I went from New York to Ibiza and I had, was gigging all weekend. So I should have got it two days ago. It didn't arrive. And then it should have been like delivered last night. And I got that classic, like, we attempted to deliver. Yeah. And I'm like, we well, didn't because I was in all day. So I don't know how that's worked. Um, but fingers crossed. I need it for my gigs as I can because there's so much music I've been sent this week that I really want to get out. And I've just finished a tune as well. So I was just like, because I'm in the studio and I was like, I really need like, to get this and download it on my sticks. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll turn up. Fingers crossed. It will. I love that somebody you left your laptop at Glastonbury though. That's just fucking. I know amazing. that's mad. When I told, I didn't tell my management until this morning. So I was like, "It'll be here. Fine, <laughs> they don't need to know." And then I was like, "So you know, Zoom I'm doing with Will? Do I definitely need a laptop?" <laughs> <laughs> when when Terry messaged me, I was like, "How? Like, how is that even possible?" Oh, I don't. I'm actually quite good at not losing things. Do you lose things? No, I'm really OCD. You're really organised. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's a good trait to have. It, I, I think that works for you in the studio as well, doesn't it, having OCD? It annoys me so much if I lose something. Like, I <gasps> I had this, like, water bottle that was just part of my life for years. And <laughs> I was, like, doing some crazy touring this year. And I just left it on the plane and no. it annoyed me so much and just like just little things that really annoy me like like i've left like laptop chargers in hotel rooms i've done it once Classic. and i'm just like oh, well i i it actually ruins my day so no see i lose charges all the time <laughs> and then i'm like really organized like emailing the hotel and be like hey i left my charges any chance you can post back to me and then they just flat out ignore you but um yeah. i left my airpods case and there is like um, my friends, like they had a cover on them and it was my friend's brand yeah. and she doesn't do it anymore. And she'd like put my initials on it. So I always knew they were mine, you know, if you're backstage, yeah, whatever, yeah. like no one can take them. And I'd left them in that front pocket mm. on the plane. And it was just the case. And I was like, I really want this case. I was just watching it on my like, find my, like just yeah, flying. Yeah. to like, <laughs> I was like, I know it's still on this plane. Please go have it. And like, no one got back to me. Really? And it's so expensive to replace a charger pack, by the way. Yeah. Like any sort of like Apple device, they just quid. get you know. They, they don't even give you a charger with your phone. No. It's so bad. They're just like, no, you should have one. And I get it, it's good for like you know being greener and not like having waste. But like the amount I lose chargers on the regular because they're white and they usually blend into the plugs and wall. I just like when I do my idiot check, I just never see it. They... So now I've got a green one. Oh really? They don't do it. Yeah. They don't do it to be greener. They do it to make money. Let's be honest. Yeah. So you have to then buy a charger that's like eighty quid. And you're like, what? I think it wasn't. It Brazil tried to ban it. They said that it wasn't actually a full product. So Brazil went against Apple and were like refused to sell iPhones. Really? Unless they supplied a, a charger, because they were like you're just ba- you're selling a, a product that doesn't work without a, like without this item. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Did you hear how much Apple's worth the other day? It came out. 
know. It's literally worth more than the than England than like Great Britain. <laughs> and they're they're worth more than the whole of the German stock market put together. Wow. Um, how's the, how's the summer going anyway? What tell tell me about this residency? I know I briefly saw you in Hi- yeah Ushuaia the other day. It you were in Ushuaia. You just support Calvin, hadn't you? Yeah. So um, it's quite nice that because he has every. I usually get to see everyone who's played for Calvin, mm. and there's like a half hour break between when Ushuaia closes and High opens. Yeah. But no, um, it kind of dates back to uh, two years ago, so 23, 22, 21. And um, Ibiza had like been closed for two years, and then they were trying to reopen when you were allowed to like like dine outside or like drink yeah. outside at tables, and Ushuaia. We're trying out Palmarama this new night. It was like Getta's playing and Luciano. And um, I got invited to support Getta. And one of those days, they kind of wanted to see what I was like. And actually, it was really lovely that it was the staff that fed back to the bookers. And we're like, Ariel was sick. Like, you should definitely book her again. That's cool. And because of that, they booked me for a second date, which was wicked. And it was very strange because the island had, like, really suffered, obviously. The whole economy had, like, flattened and, like, no visitors, no flights and... People really wanted to dance, but you were still restricted. And they had like drones, like police had like drones flying over to make sure people were sat at their tables. But obviously when you hear dance music, yeah. you want to get up and dance. Um, so yeah, and then I did the second date and then they asked me if I'd be interested in supporting Get Us New Night, Future Rave, which was going to be different from his usual Monday, um, FMIF. And uh, I you was can, like, you I can probably, swear on yeah. That. Huh? You can swear Yeah, on but I, I don't know why. I just, I like saying FMIF because I just, I feel like, it's, it's, it's such a like long established brand but I've always called it that like <laughs> have you yeah. really I've never heard anyone call it that have you not no. I don't know maybe it's me maybe because that maybe because it's the radio training in me 100%. like I can yeah and um I was like well what's future Raven? and they were like well it's, it's more kind of he's gonna go darker a bit more like kind of done a techno route and I was like well I don't play techno yeah and they're like no we just need someone to start the party because Calvin's gonna be opposite we don't want like the first DJ in the main room to be like warm up. We want them to go in and get people dancing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I did 16 dates for that last year. And Geta and Jan and everyone at High like was really super impressed that they like instantly asked me back. And for me, it's Amazing. like, it's been voted the number one club in the world for a reason. The staff are all incredible. Like yeah. it's the most slick logistics that I've ever like dealt with. Mm-hmm. You know, they really look after you. I, I, I didn't really have many guests each week. We were quite lone rangers, I think, DJs. We're always on the road and like, it's not often that like loads of friends will come and see you. But I had like my second to last date last September and I was like, look, I've got my 10 girls coming. Yeah. Is there any way we can get some sort of transport for where we're going to be to the club? And they're like, we're going to get you a minibus. And I was like, don't worry, they're going to be really well behaved. And they turned up to the club. They'd had, we'd gone to this lovely Mexican <laughs> restaurant in San Jose. Well, I don't drink before sets. So I would get too nervous and I don't drink during sets either. Like if I want to drink after, fine. But I just, I want to know that I've done the job well. Mm. And um, they turned up and they just started chanting on this like bus, like, Ari, 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 fucking free, Ari. And, and they were like walking out. I was like, oh my God. And then Gabby, who's like one of the most amazing people at high, she kind of runs the show there with the guy going to Charlie. And she's like, is this your friend? And I was like, <laughs> yes, you know how I said they were going to be really well behaved, but really excited. And they might have like just had too much tequila. Um, and then it was brilliant because. They were behind me in the booth. Like, usually it's just me and my own. And there's, like, yeah. these weird sofas that are for, like, Geta and all his people. But no one ever sits there for me or, like, dances there for me. So it's just, it was so nice to have, like, this buzz and, like, my friends dancing with me. And I was like, 
it's such a nice way to round off what I've been like the craziest summer. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I'm back this year, every Friday, 18 dates, well, 17, because I, I had already booked for glass and race, so I couldn't make that one. And um, and then, yeah, I'll, I'll be doing an answer this summer for them as well, which awesome. is one of my favourite nights, actually, in Ireland. Yeah. Bar Glitter Box. I love a bit of Glitter Box. So are you, do it, are you just travelling in and out for it, or are you staying there? Yeah. Every Saturday I have a flight somewhere else, and they always laugh about it, because I always, like, finish my set at one thirty. And they're like, do you want to go now? And I'm like, yeah, I've got flights tomorrow at 7. And they're like, you never stay. But I did the first opening night. They asked me to do the Wild Corner, which is the toilets, which yeah. for anyone who hasn't been to High, it's just the most fun club. You go in thinking you're going to go to the toilet and there's just loads of people raving and there's like hidden decks in the middle. And because it's kind of like, it's, it's really dug into the ground. There's someone who's five foot three. People don't see that there's someone DJing, DJing there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did that on the first night and it was really exciting. But I was so knackered from having like done the main room, like, and I'm quite energetic behind the decks. And then, yeah, I went straight into like four hours solid and was just, like dancing. And by the end of it, I was like, oh my God. And then I forgot my flight was at 7 a.m. So I had like two hours for the next gig. But usually I'm quite good. I recognized last year just how, if you don't look after yourself, like how different the experience can be being on the road traveling and if you just like go home and party and never sleep i'm just i'm not into that i don't sleep enough anyway because my radio show hours anyway so i just i'm very aware of the importance of sleep and just getting getting it where i can how do you how do you cope with the the sleep like what's your like routine I'm a serial disco napper. i can fall asleep anywhere yeah because so i've been on radio one for nearly six years now and when I started I was covering the early breakfast shifts which was live from 4 to 7am so I was having to get up at 2.30 in the morning mm. and then I moved to weekend early breakfast again 4 to 7am so another 2.30am start for like 18 months and then I moved back to midweek but then I'm now live from 5 to 7 and I do a dance show which I pre-record for the next morning and that'll go out between 4 and 5am so now I can sleep in to like 3.20am yeah. and there's such a difference between getting up at 2.30 in the morning and 3.30 in the morning. 2.30 feels like the middle of the night. 3.30 feels just really super early in the morning. Um, But I have things like my phone goes away an hour before bed. Like I've started reading again or even like my biggest thing is if I'm making music on my laptop and I just get into it and I'm like there like 8.30 like bopping around I'm all hyper from like the beat that I've made. It's like trying to wind myself back down and being like, oh no, now I need to sleep. Um, But yeah, there's little tips and tricks, isn't there? Like, earplugs in the plane yeah always get the window seat so you can like put your head to sleep on something mm. um i've seen these things i don't know if you've seen them so you know everyone gets the big neck braces but i don't find them comfortable because it makes my neck jump forward they're not so good i always get like a crick in my neck yeah they're not good for you they're not good no. but i saw this woman had this like it was it's like a band that you like strap around your neck really thin <laughs> and then it just has a bit of wire on the top so your head just like rests on the wire oh really so you don't bob fox i'm that's I'm a head worst. bobber. That's the worst. I'm like banging into people. <laughs> I once, I once like fell into the aisle of a, a flight, like on the way back from Ibiza. I was on the aisle seat. I think because the flight was really busy, so I hadn't been able to put the window seat. And I was like going so far to my right that base, and I was in such deep sleep that I toppled over the armrest and actually landed it in the aisle. And I just remember like I woke up and looked at, it and everyone was just staring at me. I was like, "This is horrendous." <laughs> Um, I'm an IOC so man. I'm, like, I'm, I, I'm an IOC. I'm not a fan. Are of the you? Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm like on my own in the corner next to a window. I don't mind an IOC in a long haul flight because I like to get up and yeah, walk. Yeah. And I don't want to ever wake anyone up or like mm. have to clamber over people. So I will do it for that. But it's just like 
someone's always going to bang into you, aren't they? Or like the trolley's yeah. going to hit you for it. Or... Yeah, true. I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I much prefer the aisle. I like to just be able to escape if I need to. That Getting up at 3.30 in the morning and getting up at 2.30 in the morning, what time are you going to bed? This is this is probably the biggest question I get asked. Yeah. I probably should be going to bed about 7.38. The issue I have with that is if I go to bed too early, my body wakes up at like 10.30, 11. It's mm. like, nap's over. Yeah. Um, whereas if I push it, what I've found is if I go to bed at 9, I'm usually asleep by like 9.30, quarter to 10 which would give me just over five hours sleep before my alarm comes on. Yeah. Um, it means I'll probably sleep through. Whereas if I go to bed too early, I will just wake up and then I'm wide awake from 11 until mm. three and it's just, it's not okay. Yeah. Um, I don't have coffee. I love coffee, but I don't have it after two o'clock. I know yeah. I won't sleep. Um, and even there's certain, certain foods, like someone once told me that red pepper is not good for you before you try and sleep. Oh, really? And I would always make like a nice salad and whatnot. Yeah, it's apparently something about what it does to our digestive system. And so I've cut things like that out, like raw onions, not good before like trying to sleep. Someone also told me as well, like you have to eat two hours before you go to sleep in order for your body to be like completely like rested. Yeah. Whereas if you're like eating and then you go to sleep, it just doesn't do its job properly. Yeah. So I'm a bit, I'm quite keen. I won't, ever get you know these things that everyone has these aura rings now so I'm like oh you should get that to like map your sleep and I'm like I already know I don't get enough sleep yeah. so why would I want to have that hammered like rammed over <laughs> I've got one um, I've got one I track mine but yeah I've got like it's on your phone anyway isn't it like kind of the yeah. thing is those 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 rings would be amazing because you can you can decide like actually I need longer sleep I don't have the beauty especially in the week of being like oh shit I need to get seven or eight yeah. hours sleep it's just not going to happen yeah, yeah. No, so I totally agree. it just makes me feel worse about the situation. Yeah, I've been tracking my... I have a whoop strap, which is like just... It's not even a watch. A whoop strap? Yeah, it's a whoop strap. So it's like you get a lot of what like... What name? I know, it's fucking amazing, whoop, right? Whoop. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it's really... It gives you a lot of data, but realistically it's like... Because I train a lot as well, so it, it kind of tracks all my training yeah. and calories and everything like that. And it's really interesting... But every single day, it's like you haven't slept enough. And then you go yeah. listen to like a sleep. I don't need that. Yeah. Then you go listen to a sleep podcast and they're like, you're going to die young if you don't get eight hours sleep or you're going to get Alzheimer's, early yeah. onset Alzheimer's. And you're like, yeah, it's probably not healthy Great. for me to remind myself of this every day. Um, Nah. But I, still I, had a, I had a chat with Dom Dollar about that. He was talking about like how he went down a bit of a like rabbit hole yeah. of just like the effects of not getting enough sleep. And he was like telling me about all the science. I was like, I just don't want to know this because I'm there's nothing I can do about it at the moment. I really love and enjoy my job, and I'm and I'm doing the best I can of like the worth of sleep that I can get. I don't want to make myself feel guilty or like worry about what might happen. You know. Because it could happen even if you got like 10 hours sleep, in my opinion. Yeah. I just think someone was like, oh, you can never like regain the sleep debt. But then another podcast said, oh, you can. You can yeah. absolutely catch up on the sleep. And what I found, I've just changed shifts on the radio for two months. And um, I'm now doing 8 to 10 p.m. I thought it was going to feel like the most amazing moment in the world. No. I've had like three nights of seven hours sleep. And actually, my body feels worse because it, it's suddenly gone, right, this is actually what you need now. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not running on adrenaline. I'm not like on that. And so now I'm recognizing I actually need to like give myself eight hours, 10 hours. And I've got the time now to do that at the yeah. moment midweek. 
So I'm allowing myself to like catch up. Like I spoke to Grimmy, he used to do the breakfast show on Radio One, and he did the breakfast show for five years. So he was getting up at five a.m., maybe four thirty. And when he finished, he went on a two-week holiday, and for the first five days of his holiday, he slept for thirteen hours a night. Wow! Because it was his body suddenly going. Oh, finally. Yeah. And everyone thought there was something was wrong with him. And it wasn't. It was just the sleep deprivation. It was like, right, here, we're going to get this back now. Mm. And he said he felt 10 times better, but he's just giving himself the time to be like, like, I remember once I went to Ibiza, I was so shattered. I'd had like four gigs in a row, got there. And I wasn't there for a gig. It wasn't until the next day I'd got there the night before. I just didn't set an alarm. And I slept for 10 hours. And I was like, rock and roll, kid. Gone to Ibiza, <laughs> slept for 10 hours. Absolute heaven. Yeah. <laughs> It's weird. Sleep's very strange. I have this really weird relationship with it because I suck at sleeping. Like, even when I have time Gee. to sleep, I'm so bad at sleeping. Like, yeah, like, let's say for instance, this morning, I went to bed at 11.30 and I woke up at 3.30 and I just couldn't go back to sleep. Just, like, couldn't wow. go back to sleep. That used to... That used to be me. I was a terrible sleeper before I started the early breakfast shift. I would get like even just five hours sleep on my own accord mm. because I was over. I was an overthinker. I'd go to bed with a thousand things going on my head. Yeah. It'd take me a good two hours to get to sleep. I'd wake up really early. And it wasn't until I started the early breakfast shift that I actually started like napping. And um, like I, I could never nap in a day. Now yeah. I can put my head down and I'll, I'll wake up after an hour. It's lovely. And I think it's just me recognizing okay, well, I'm exhausted, yeah. so I'm going to give myself an opportunity where I can. But you must be with the touring and everything as well. I think something switched, and I, I don't know if it's because I'm just constantly like on that on jet go. lag vibe. Yeah. Or, I don't know, I can't quite put my finger, but I was a terrible sleeper before I started a shift that now requires me to get up at 20, like 20 past three. Mm. Yeah, I think for me it started when I was 17 when I moved to Ibiza since then. Really? Like I've slept, I sleep terrible ever since then. I, I like if. Do you have the Calm app? What's that? Calm. Oh, the Calm app. See, it, Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Do I always say that and no one ever understands my accent? <laughs> the, the Calm. Calm, app. darling. Um, yeah. No, I don't. I. Uh, Oh, I really rate it. Really? I, they do like bedtime stories, but they also do like soundscapes and whatnot. It's like 45 minutes of the year. And I there's one, there's a bedtime story from Matthew Connie, and I've only ever made it to the first five minutes. It's 35 minutes long. It's brilliant. Really? You find voices that like make you, it's almost like hypnotic because yeah. there was one from Killian Murphy. He's like one of my favorite actors. He's I was amazing. like, I'm going to love this. And I was just like, why do you wait the whole time? But there's a really one called like Deep Rest. Yeah. And I've still not made it past seven minutes. Really? It's so good. Yeah, do you, I'd highly do you just pass it. out or do you turn it off? I, you t you put it on, it'll slowly peter out, okay. and then it basically just stops like playing. Yeah. Like after like it's like a thirty minute episode, or you can get like hour long ones. You can get ones that are like rainfall or like forest, like yeah. wind or whatnot. And um, you find it works for you. Like I can't go to bed with like rainfall because it makes me the toilet. <laughs> 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 it just makes me need a wee. <laughs> That's, I just find myself jiggling. I have, to, <laughs> I have to, um, I have to have like a fan on as well. Oh, do you? Yeah, like I'm. Like, do I like? Do I like pitch black, deadly silent. That's what I like. Oof. But then the cam app is like really silly. Honestly, try it. It will change your life. Yeah, yeah. I, I might give that. I like. I'm literally will give anything a go to like try and sleep. Yeah, anything. It's like. It's, it's part of our life, sadly, I that we don't sleep just because of our yeah. jobs. And especially you know, for you as well. Like, that must be mental doing your schedule. Yeah, I mean, people say that, but I 
I don't, I haven't ever got to a point. There was, just before the pandemic, I was doing my morning radio show. I was doing an evening podcast that wouldn't finish to one. I was mm. getting home, having 45 minutes sleep, yeah, doing the good. show, getting back and doing two hours sleep. My average sleep went down to two hours, 45 minutes. Yeah, it's not good. And it just, and that was like after a spell of like four weeks. And I remember things were going in my diary and I had to like turn around and say to my management time, like, guys, you in the space of 48 hours, you've given me a four, the biggest break I have is four hours. Yeah. When am I meant to sleep? Yeah. Like, this is not okay. And and I, I'm not very good at um, complaining. It t- it's taken a lot for me. I never want to be the person that moans because I, I, lo- I want to be, I don't know, I, I don't, I don't like conflict and I don't want ever uh, anyone to ever think that I'm a dickhead. Mm. And so what, that was overpowering me, just being honest with people and saying, I, I'm struggling with this. Yeah. And even then, like, I mentioned it and I'm like, well, can you just get through the next 24 hours and we'll, we'll sort it. I was like, but you're asking me to work on two hours sleep for 24 hours in four different jobs. Yeah. And it got to a point where I was like, something's got to give now. And um, at that point, I was still doing some like TV bits, but I only ever wanted to do TV to get me on Radio 1. Like Radio 1 was a dream for me. Yeah. And I recognized there were certain things I had to do to get me on that station because all I wanted to be, do was be on air and talk about music. Yeah. I love music. It's, it's what it's always been about. But you have to show them that you're bringing them an audience or like there's a young generation who enjoy what you have to of say course. or your curation and yeah. you know so I did like for music and I was doing like a podcast for ITV for like the biggest like youth um, focus show and all those things definitely helped me get on Radio 1 but then I continued all those things whilst I was doing this early breakfast shift on Radio 1 with the DJing at the weekend and it was like something's got to give and I was even yeah. saying yes to DJ gigs in the week and then going straight into the studio and 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 then being live for two hours and you have to have your wits and energy about you mm. in the studio. Like you, I'm the first point of conversation people have in their day. And often it's like the end of people's night shift or people get up super early for work or commuting or going to gym really early. And they're having conversations with you. And if I can't give something back or like, you know, give them the right, the right sort of entertainment or, you know, make sure that they've started the day or ending a day in the right tone. I've not done my job properly and I couldn't do that by doing a four-hour DJ set and then going straight to the studio. So I had to stop the midweek DJ sets and then now it's like, yeah, radio and then the gigs of the weekend and I can pack it in. I can get about four gigs a weekend if I stay in Europe. And then also they're really good now with like holiday. We didn't have holiday before. Yeah. And I never took holiday. I was just like, I don't work. I don't get paid. Yeah. And um, now whereas I have a luxury of having holiday and being having holiday pay, which is like something as a self, someone who's been self-employed for 16 years. I've never had. Yeah, yeah. It's like, Oh, I can actually take this day off on Monday and not have to worry. Um, so yeah, like things have got easier. And I think, and people as like conversations about mental health and physical well-being are like more like, you know, much widely spoke, much wider spoken about and like globally recognized. I think people, if I just turn around and say, I cannot do the show on Monday. I am exhausted. Like I need a checkout. They will be totally understanding of that. I've not yeah. done that, but maybe just having the safety of knowing that they understand now, like it's recognized. Whereas back in the day, video presenters did that shift, did my shift. I think Vanessa Phelps did it for 12 years. That's mad. 12 years. Mad. And we had a conversation about it. And when she left Radio 2, she's like, I've done early breakfast in 12 years. I turned around to my bosses at Radio 1. I was like, just so you know, I'm not doing 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's the thing is like, you're, you're 100% right. Your role doing early morning is you, you have kind of like a responsibility to be 
the bright person that everyone hears first thing in the morning, right? And that's a big responsibility yeah. to, to to have on your your hands. But like, it's a lot of work. It's not easy. Yeah, it's um, it, it definitely as my years in the radio have gone on, what I've recognised is that actually you can still be honest and come on here and be like. Oh, I had the worst night of sleep ever. Like, like, literally pour coffee into my eyes now. Yeah. And when you you have that, you have other people who feel exactly the same. They're like, yeah, same. So we now do this thing on Tuesday called Double Bag Tuesdays. And it's like, you cannot just have one tea bag in your cup on a Tuesday morning. It has to be two. So we have to double bag it, lads. And it's like, now people just send me like, they're like, I like their menus of coffee. Someone's like, I've got like a vanilla latte with an extra scoop of sweetener in there. And it's like, <laughs> it's just something to give us all a bit of a like check in. But, um, the, the nothing like the thing that really hammered home but radio is a public service yeah, yeah that's what it is yeah. and nothing and nothing highlighted that more than the pandemic yeah. i was on the radio for the whole time of the pandemic we were seen as key workers and i remember being there on the radio at that time and people here up at that time because everyone had to stop working going into the office mm. it was the emergency delivery drivers it was those delivering medicine yeah. or stuff to the grocery shops and and there was our people isolating on their own and I remember it wasn't bearing the weight. It was like we were all terrified and we were all in it together. And I remember just thinking, right, I've never needed to do my job better than now, yeah. like better than I have now. Like I want to give everyone like an hour of bangers. It's going to like make them forget what's going on, mm. you know. And we did this thing called the free hour and anyone could choose whatever song they wanted. And that was like unheard of on radio. Yeah. And we were just like, this is about this is about you now. This is like just letting you escape and like just having like our moment together. And I just remember, I, I'll never forget the wave of us being like terrified and wondering what was going on and then kind of feeling a little bit better about it and then be terrified again and then people getting like just really annoyed about being locked up, like yeah. locked down and, and we were all together. But more than anything, people turned to the radio because it is a companion. It is someone, I listened to the radio as a kid because I, when I was like being a geek and studying for my exams, Zane Lowe was my best mate on the yeah. video. Like he was the so, one who was like, telling me about the hives and the strokes and all these amazing bands and it made me feel like I was part of his gang um and I think that's why I've always wanted to be a medial because for me it was like my best pal growing up yeah totally I I had exactly the same thing with Zane like well it's just emotion You, you cannot get emotion from a playlist we can all make playlists and like have them on in the background but no the thing about radio is you get emotion and you get companionship yeah. and curation as well. You can have an algorithm tell you what they think it, what you might want to hear, but nothing, I enjoy nothing more than putting like Benji B on and him helping me discover this new act that I've never heard of. Yeah. I'm suddenly obsessed with. Yeah. And then, um, you know, or like that, like brand new, like weapon that like Danny Herbert's just like banged into show. And I'm like, love that. So I'm, I'm a proper radio geek. And, and for me, it's so, I think it like, it definitely, uh helps um what's what influence my djing because when i dj i often i don't do the same set a lot like i will often chop and change because i'm constantly searching out new music and new acts and whatnot yeah. then every week i'm like making myself work even harder because i'm just like firing in all these new tracks that i've heard and then i don't know whether they work in a live environment or not, but i'm going to test them out and then i freak out if they don't and i'm like ah, when does it work um but yeah like i think often i worry that people don't know what my sound is when i dj or even when I'm making music, none of my tracks sound the same. But yeah. I think that's because my whole life has always been about like radio and curation and discovering the new. Yeah. That and make... not being like into one sound. That makes sense though. And I think also there's a lot of radio DJs. Let's use Zane for an example. When Zane used to DJ, like his sets yeah. went all over the shop. 
And I I think it, that's okay. That's you. It's totally okay. I remember he used to tear it up when yeah. his DJ says. And I saw him like, yeah, like you say, one time he'd be like smacking in like Prodigy and Skrillex yeah. and all that stuff. The next thing it was like Mark Brunson and more like, you know, um, uh, what's, like far side running and everything. It's like just even like going to like a more hip hop yeah. vibe. But, but I used to love that. And the same with Annie, Annie Mack. I used to love her sets because she would have a DJ set that would have the tracks that I'd heard her play in her radio show, but then also like club bangers. Yeah. And it just, for me, I love songs of words. Like I love... I saw someone tweet the other day and they were like, I'm just so sick and tired of seeing DJs play like classic tunes. Like surely like a DJ set is about you discovering and not knowing the track ID. And I was like, for me, that's two different audiences. Yeah. I'm a type of girl that wants to go and watch Calvin Harris, Fatboy Slim, you know, I, as well as like your screams and your older and fatsos and, yeah. you know, and are like, for me, like, go out and set a prime example where they can, like, put in one, like, their more radio-accessible tunes, but also, like, fill it in with, like, their more underground, like, yeah. uh, melodic or techno vibes. And I'm like, and that, for me, I, I really enjoy that. I don't necessarily enjoy a DJ set that has no vocal. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, just stays on a level. I and I know that some people just love that and they just want to be there for hours yeah. at that. Because I'm like, give me light and shade and like gospel <laughs> and, you know, and a big high note and a yeah. And then like going back down and it doesn't mean that. You, and it took me years. So I was so paranoid that I was never, I was, I've never been part of the clique. Yeah. I've never been part of like the groups that like get to play Circle Loco every week yeah. or get to go and play Sub Club in Glasgow every week. I've never been part of that. And the minute I realized that I wasn't one of the cool kids, it was actually the minute my, my career started like flourishing. Because I was unapologetic about the fact that I'm going to whap in the new Peggy Goo song mm. as well as like the underground track from Richie Ahmed. Yeah. So I think it's really important. Um, it's really interesting you say that because, <clears throat> especially growing up in the UK, like there's the UK music scene is very clicky. Oh, um, and, like, and the European scene is very clicky. I just, I, for me, I remember thinking, like, why wouldn't they book me? Like, yeah. why wouldn't they have me? And then it's like, I can still fucking DJ. And, like, what, just because I'm playing a record that maybe has, like, got over a million streams now, that's okay, because over yeah. a million people have enjoyed that. Um, and also, like, I, I'm not here, like, I do love a sweaty, sweaty basic, but actually where I thrive is in a festival environment. Mm. I love playing festivals. what I grew up on. I'm bloody conceived at Glastonbury. Yeah. And um, for me, it's just like, Reckon, but as you get older, I think you start recognizing actually, I can be okay and un unapologetic about this is my lane yeah. and I'm going to stay in this lane. And if you want to get on board, great. If you don't, that's fine. I'm not really here to play like your underground club for the rest of my life until I'm 70. Yeah. And, you know, I want to, I want to explore the world. I want to do all the stages and all the festivals. And then, um, and yeah, I think once you find, when you have that like revelation, your your DJ sets become better because you're not overthinking everything or thinking about other people's opinions. Yeah. Just fucking playing what that you want and what you think is going to get people dancing. Yeah, it's re it's really important, and I think it it's really without sounding like an absolute douchebag. It's like a mat really mature way to look at your career as an artist for anybody to just. Be categorically be like this is me and i don't give a fuck about yeah. anybody else like it's it takes so long to get there and and i don't know if you still battle with it ever because like i'm i'm there right now i'm i'm where you're at but also like i still have that battle with battle a little bit sometimes where it's like oh why 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 are they not booking me why are they not doing this yeah. why are they not doing that it's like i know that i'll be 
this sounds really arrogant and it doesn't, I'm not saying this in an arrogant way. I know that our smash is better than any of the people on the lineup, but like, yeah. but just cause I don't fit in with the click. It's like, it's also like I'm quite ambitious yeah. and so like I'll write a list of like places that I want to play and I'm like this yes, and this and they're like mm, well probably not this year and I'm like why not this year yeah I'm exactly the same why not this year yeah why are you telling me no yeah. you should be the first person telling me no ask them see what happens I'm, I've I... always been like that and I'm like I don't know if that's probably quite bad for people working with me but I constantly said I've, I've just seen this like being a night do you reckon you need a sport like that person like, yeah. I'm very active in pursuing like gigs that I want to be involved in um but yeah, it's that thing of, I do, I had a gig the other day and I'd really like, um, I'd really worked on my set. It was a big deal. And, 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 uh, and the person I was playing for had a lot, has a lot of people around them. And um, I remember coming on stage, I thought I'd smashed it. I was really happy. It got a bit darker than I usually do, but it was like the environment I was in, like, it, I thought I, that's what I wanted to do. That was, that was my focus or like my yeah. kind of vision for that, that gig. I was really proud that I'd like nailed this set. It was probably the, one of the most underground sets I've done bit darker a bit midier and came off at like, buzzing and i was just chatting away to one of the team of like the big star shall we yeah. say and um and i was like you know you guys happy and they're like no, actually if we're honest you went a bit too hard yeah and it really threw me because i was like fuck oh fuck i didn't get it right i yeah, didn't yeah. get it right even though i spent so long but then i was chatting to someone a couple of weeks ago about it and they were like well, why are you asking them they yeah they do their finances <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and i was like Oh yeah, like, but then for the two weeks after that, my gigs were really like all over the place because I I was so assured that I'd like nailed this set, and then someone was like, nah, and then I was like, oh fuck, I I was so way off the mark. I then questioned my next like, my next four gigs. I was just here, but didn't know what what was right and what was working, and then yeah. had this horrible like overthinking spell. And then I kind of got myself out of it a bit and was like, no, you can do this, you can back into it. And then I found my groove again. But you do have things like that can really thrill you. Yeah. Like I did a gig the other day that was going really well. And then the tech cops were like, oh shit, we're really sorry. We've actually set up the wrong decks for like the headliner. And I was like, cool, you can do that after I come off. And they were like, no, we need to do it now whilst you're playing, so you need to move on to a different deck. <laughs> and I was like, lads, I've got 20 minutes left. Yeah. And like, you know, and it was just that thing like, but we need to do this for him. And I was like, that's cool, but I am here in my own right. Yeah, yeah. And you fucked up. I haven't. Yeah. Like, can you just give me like 20 minutes and you can quickly sort it out after? And then they're like, no, we want you to move on to this. And I was like, okay, okay, well, you just walk me through what you need me to do then. And then they didn't tell me to put my USB in the new deck. So I'm like, oh, yeah, they're all linked. So it'll automatically start playing out of like that deck from this mixer. And then it didn't. And so then I had to like have this shitty thin loop for like five seconds, like, well, over like, like 20 seconds while I was trying to quickly manically. And I yeah. was like, I, I just needed you to tell me like, and then it fucked up. And then I felt really shit after what was a really good gig. And I just, I did wonder to myself, I mean, it wouldn't happen to a headliner, but also I just wondered to myself, there's an element of me being a girl. Like, cause I have that a lot yeah. and I've experienced a lot of shitty moments of like men not taking me seriously. Yeah. My first ever warehouse project should have been the best gig of my life. And I walked away in tears. Mm. Um, it's when the, the CDJ, the 3000s had just come out and the first phase of them um, had like had this weird, like, oh, they're all formatted wrong. Yeah. And um, someone had warned me, hi, H-A-I-I, you know that DJ, she's amazing. She was like, yeah, she's great. be careful on these like 3000s because they're, they're just not, they're, they're fucking up. Yeah. And I like had a few cue points on my track. And for one reason or another, every time I hit a cue point, it would go back to the first track I'd played. <laughs> Jesus. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, this is, 
this is what? Yeah. And then one of them completely froze. So you couldn't see the screen. I couldn't see what was playing. Yeah. And then the other one just wasn't working. So I said to the tech at the time, I'm really sorry. And he, they were setting up the Nexus 900 and the 2000s at time for next DJ. And I was like, can I move on to those decks because these are not working? And he was like, no, they're for the next DJ. And I was like, that's cool. I've still got another 90 minutes. So yeah. Please can I move on to those like decks? And he was like, no, no, there's nothing wrong with these. And I was like, there is something wrong with them. This has happened three times now. I can't keep going back to the fucking first track. Like, this yeah. is this is not okay. And then he saw that the one had frozen. He was just like, I'm sure you'd be fine. There's other two decks there. And then just totally dismissed me. And then I had to look at my manager, who you know. And I was like, yeah. Terry, I don't know what to do. Like, this is this is horrendous. Like, they're not working. Like, what do I do? And she's like, she spoke to him. And she's also a woman. And he was so dismissive of us, this yeah. kid. And um. And he was very young and, and, and not like patronizing when I called him the kid. He was very young, but he, and also I just don't think he, he just didn't take us seriously because we were women. So she had to run over to the other stage, get the stage manager from that stage who ran back, ran back over and was like, for fuck's sake, put her on their fucking other yeah. decks now. And he was so pissed off. They kept the decks where they were and the ones he was setting up on the side that he refused to move them on stage until I'd set up. So I had to like a ninja <laughs> run from this deck to the other ones set up and then like have my, my track in here and like listen to bring in that track from the other fucking side of the stage and I was like this is us and then I had to get Terry to bring that track like that track out whilst I like like my one bit bang in and it was just horrible and I remember just coming away so stressed and then he just sounds like a said, massive cunt <laughs> like I'm sorry like I and I understand reason, I understand the whole chose- female thing as well which obviously I can can never relate to I, I never experienced that but like well Tini Gessler had been on before me and she was like babe these are, these are fucked like just what just warning you now and she had fed back and we did say to like the guys at Warehouse Budget like this was that was awful and yeah. the guy didn't listen to us and we should never have had to experience no, that never. and they, they they like text us and we heard you had a couple of technical problems sorry about that and i was like technical problem <laughs> and then we like wrote it down and then the next morning they came back to us and they were like oh yeah alario alicanti had the same thing we're so sorry yeah and it was like it shouldn't take three djs to feedback about your stage manager that he's not no. listening um and it was just it was such a shame because that is such an iconic venue, a venue that I have loved from day dot. I've been there many a time raving, seeing my favorite DJs. I've wanted my first experience as a DJ at that venue to be amazing. And don't get me wrong, since I've had some of the best gigs of my career of there. Yeah, yeah. And But it was, I just always remember that moment. It was like, he, why is he not taking me seriously? Why yeah. is he not listening to me? Is it because I'm a woman? I don't know. And then another horrible experience I had was a huge gig that I had in Ibiza for the first time. And a massive DJ who were renamed name we won't name i was like two songs to the end it was fucking popping off i was so i'd worked my fucking butt off for this set yeah. everyone was having the time live and they walked into the booth and the booth was roped off no one was there apart from behind like they were behind the ropes he let himself through the ropes walked into the decks went straight onto the decks and then tried like tried to turn the bass up and i looked at and i i, and I was like what are you doing and he's like oh i thought the bass wasn't turned up and i was like it is i've just got the monitors down and he's like, right, okay. And then he turned around and walked away. And like his girlfriend at the time was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I was so disrespectful. I just thought, if I walked into his booth when he was DJing and went up to the mixer and turned his fucking bass up, or, it, or like fucking t- like did anything, that would not be okay. So no. why was it okay for him to do that to me? He also sounds like a massive cunt. I hate people like but that. He, he, he felt really bad about it after. Good. He was like, you're amazing. You should be like touring America and da 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 And I was like, now you fucking say that because you know you, what you just did was well, a dickish we... move. And I said to him, what the fuck was that? Yeah. What was that? Because I wouldn't do that to you. So why have you just done that to me? And he was really shocked because 
I can hold my own, but I, was, I said I don't like conflict. But in that, I was so enraged that he had like, it was almost like someone had come in and just like gone, pop, yeah. you're not allowed to have this good, this good a time. Sorry. Oh, I I'm going to just bring you down a notch. And it was like, and I remember like ranting about it and everyone was like, name the DJ. And I was like, it's not about naming the DJ, but it's just recognizing like, we're allowed to have our moment. Totally. Whether we're male, female, non-binary, or however you, you know, you recognize yourself. Like it's, it's, it's not okay to just make, diminish, like just diminish someone's light like that. Well, also, also if you're a headliner, like, I'm sorry, if you're headlining and the support DJ is absolutely smashing it, you should be applauding that person, whoever that is. And like, well, it wasn't even their them. gig. They weren't headlining that gig. They were just there. They were, what? So they, yes. This is what I mean. Why did it wasn't their gig? They were just there in Ibiza, punch and him they in just the took face. upon themselves punch him to in like the walk face. in. And like there is a video that one of my managers got is when they turn around and me just going oh, behind their back, and I'm like, if that video ever sees a light of day, then everyone will know who the video is and they'll hate me forever. But I, that, I, there's been a couple of, but in, like you know, on the other spectrum, I've I've had the most wonderful two years. Like the pandemic when it hit, I had like 32 gigs in the diary, and that was the most I'd had in my career in like a yeah. summer. And then obviously everything got taken away from us. I remember just thinking, that's it. I'm never, I'm not. I've, my opportunity's gone. You know, and our lives did go on hold for two years. And I was really worried coming out of the pandemic that no one would book me or give me those gigs again. And, yeah. you know, some opportunities have gone away that didn't that were there before. But, but then on the other side, like, so many other opportunities have arrived. Totally. Um, and I think, yeah, I don't want that to be the headline of people being dicks. But actually, on the, 95% of the time, the DJ community is amazing and lovely and so supportive. Like, especially when I started producing... I was really nervous and a bit clueless. Like I'm not very good with like the terminology of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd like, like message my mate and be like, what's this like space sound you get in the disco chats that goes, boo, 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 boo. And like, okay, yeah, okay. I think that's like a synth. And I'm like, okay. And even now, like I don't, I was like trying to get this, like it sound, I didn't even like, this is what I mean. So I'd heard, have you heard Manda Morris Picante? It's like one of my favorite songs at the moment. It came out in Hot Creations. No. And it has this like, like an avoid vocal and I was like how did she make that because it sounds it sounds like almost like a hyena yeah but it sounds like someone's vocals but then actually apparently it's like um something she's done on like a moog and I was okay. like great but I just um I'm so clueless but I'd love the fact that I can like text my mate and be like this is fucking not working it's just like muted all the vocals and they're like yeah you've just done this and I was like Thanks. <laughs> I think the, th the, we'll the thing there. the thing is is though like naivety and this I'm saying this in the nicest possible way naivety when you're creating is the best way to create because there's no I, I can agree more there's no parameters and there's nobody there's no, nothing in your mind telling you that oh you should be doing it this way or you should be doing it that way and I think some of the best music in the world gets made by people that don't know how to make music technically and, yeah and I can agree more I started doing production lessons yeah and the teacher was amazing as shooter but he was so um like Rigid. he was so this is how you make yeah. a house record you know you have your eight bar intro and then yeah. you have and i'm like but i don't really want to stick to like the formula yeah, yeah and so actually i kind of stopped doing the lessons and started just watching loads of youtube videos which can also really 
you know, influence how you go. Like I was watching a lot of the disclosure Twitch shit, like streams oh, cool, and yeah. I suddenly find myself like going down a hole of like making like disclosure tunes. And yeah. I was like, no, that's not me. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think you're so right. I made a remix recently of for um, Lena Punks and I literally sat in my kitchen and was just like, I just want to fucking make something that doesn't sound like anything I've ever made before. Yeah. And I just took the vocal that she had and completely worked it and then just did this really industrial kind of like synth lip and it was like, and it hasn't been like a huge record or anything, but it's the one that I'm really proud of because mm. it just was me like not giving a fuck and not like conforming to like what everyone said. Be. They loved it. And like it's the one that I randomly get a message from and be like, mate, this is, this is sick. Yeah. Um, and it, it's because it isn't like, you know, I don't call, I, sometimes you hear it quite a lot on the radio when like, the formula of making a hit dance record yep. and there's nothing against them it's what makes you a lot of brings people a lot of joy but i don't ever want my my music to sound like dance by numbers totally totally agree i think it's i think it's whatever you decide what you want to do in your career and how you want to be perceived to the general public is like let's be honest calvin harris is the best hit maker of our time right but he's not, he, his tunes can go far and wide and like actually what they sound like, which is what I really respect. They, they can, but there's still a formula to to write and hit that bit that good. Like there's still a, there's still a formula to to that, and it's he's the best at doing it, which is why he's so good at doing it, and which is why he's had countless number ones and is the best producer of our time in the yeah. dance dance pop world. One hundred. But I think also by creating your own formula and by creating your own kind of lane, like it allows you to be you and like, you can still go and make a bunch of stuff, but people will still know it's you. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's just a, for me, it's, it's always, it's, it's been the same for me is like, it's taken me this long to get to where I'm at and I'm still very far away from where I want to be. But because you're not copying anybody and because you're not trying to be anybody else, you're literally just being yeah. you. Like every record is your record. It's not like, oh, yeah. I've heard a record like this before. It's like, no, this is an Ariel record or this is a Will Clark record or this is whatever record. Because I think there's so many carbon copies and you hear that in the radio world and I hear that as a DJ and you hear it as a DJ and we, we all know what people do to have success. But for me, is like the real artistry is like being yourself. Like, look at Arctic Monkeys. There's, there will never be another Arctic Monkeys. No, exactly. They, they are. My them. biggest, my biggest struggle that I tie with when it comes to production, and everyone's like, "What's your sound?" I'm like, "Well, it's me behind the decks." And like, what do you mean? Yeah. I was like, "Well, if you come and see me DJ, I'll go everywhere, like, and, ha and give you everything, and that's what I want for my tracks. Like, as long as it's just me and being high energy." Yeah. But um. I, like some people are like, what's your sound though? I'm like, this whole pressure to have your sound. Like, I love a real Latin beat through, like, you know, a tech house, like, you know, record. Or I also love a huge vocal and yeah. like a more 90s anthemic vibe. But I also am like a woman of streams. So I enjoy that real, complete, chill, melodic yeah. house. And um, I there's this thing of like I'm constantly putting myself in like what is your sound which like none of my records sound the same but then I think about it I'm like well none of Patrick Topping's records sound the same yeah and like you know I've heard Jimmy Jones make everything from a house record to a proper gnarly like tech number it's like 
I, I don't know why we necessarily have to be like, this is your sound mm. and this is what I'm going to make every time. I just like, when I start making a track, I don't go in with like, it needs to sound like this. Yeah. I mean, I have certain things that I always put in, like I always put crickets in my music. I've just got a thing about putting crickets in my music. And um, <laughs> someone's like, why crickets? I'm like, I don't know. I, I think just... it's because I heard it in the Ariana Grande tune position. That's and the first like, time I heard like, about crickets being in a record. Are you kidding? Yeah. There's so many cricket sounds you can find on splays <laughs> and, oh, mate, you can have a field day. But it's lovely because I was like, maybe it's because like, I, when I was a kid, like we didn't get to go abroad much. Yeah. And um, when we did, it was like a really big deal. And I just remember like the big, the big difference of being holidaying in the UK and holidaying abroad was like fucking cricket crickets. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. We don't get them in the UK, do we? No, you don't at hear all. them at night. Thank God. Yeah, no, going back to that sound thing, though, it's, I think, from, tell me if you think, if you disagree with me, but I think also where you're at in your career, where you, you have a career, you're, you're a successful radio DJ and you tour. And I think what a lot of people do is they go from wanting to be a DJ. How do I become a successful DJ? Okay, I have to make music. Okay. I want to be part of this crew. So I have to make records that fit with this crew. This sound. And then I can then become a full-time DJ. And then I think that's what people do is by getting their sound is they're actually, this isn't for everybody, but they're making music to become successful, to fit in with a, with the sound. It was exactly the same for me. Like when I first signed to Dirty Bird, my was like, I want to be part of Dirty Bird Records at that time. Yeah. I made records that fit Dirty Bird. Was that truly me? Yes, I guess it was at that time in my career, but it's evolved and now I'm do I write whatever I, I write. But I think that's where you're in a bit of a different situation where you're a radio DJ and a DJ and a producer, but like you don't have to fit in with anybody else because you have a career and people know who you are. I suppose so, but I'd like, I don't know. I think that out of everything that I do, the production side of things is definitely where my confidence lacks. Yeah. Because I've only been doing it for just over two years and even then it was like a thing that I'd been attempting for ages and I tried it on Ableton and I just, Ableton and me just didn't get on. Yeah, like yeah. I just, it was like another language that I couldn't learn. Mm. And then, um, a good friend of mine got some he's a wicker producer and dj he was like why don't you try logic yeah. see that's like just works better for you and it did like instantly um and it's definitely those things of like i went into studios of like mates and like or like people that people had recommended it's like learn the craft what i found from the se sessions is that like what i wanted to do wasn't like listened to or like yeah. if i was like adding my input it kind of was almost like dismissed because i didn't yeah. know what i was doing yeah. and fair, rightly so but that was where the whole thing was like, but what if we, what if I did add that? Who says we can't add this thing on top? What if, like, why don't we just try it and see if it works? Um, and then maybe realize like, I really just want to make, not music myself. I love going to studio with friends. I've just finished a track with a mate who's like helps me big time. But definitely like starting a project, I want, I, I'm just doing myself now because what I find is like often the ideas that I want to do, people are like, oh no, you can't really do that. Yeah. I really Which is weird. To it's so weird. To... That's so weird to me that Isn't people it? that people were like, "No, Isn't you it? can't do that." Because I'm like, 
there's no rules there's no laws there's like no we literally exactly. have like we can do what the fuck we want and to be fair, there's other people I worked with who are like, yeah, fuck it, let's try it, let's see yeah, what happens, yeah. and that's great. And like, my first track, Soulful, came from, I went down to the Mortimer's, Mor- who had uh, two brothers from Bristol, and um, uh, a friend said, like, look, they're so good, they've been producing for over 14 years, just go in and like watch them and see what they do, and like, you can like, pick up some things. And then we just ended up vibing in the studio, and I'd find this like, bah, 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 and then we just like went from there, and everything they were doing, I was like, let's try this. And I said, it was just, it wasn't, we didn't go in to make a record. I went yeah. in to like watch what they do and like learn some bits from them. And then actually, we came out with this fucking banger record, and they ended up getting signed to Day for Dance straight away. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, and then yeah. I was catapulted in as well, of like having to be a good producer. And I was like, fuck, I really need to like learn properly. Like, and, and actually, what I found now is like, my way of like escaping from there's a lot of noise in my world in terms of like I have to be on constantly on the radio and I have to be on on camera all the time yeah. I have to be on when I'm doing like presentation like you just have to be on and I, and, and I was finding those moments of like meet and silence and actually that's my moment where I'm with my laptop and just like making some beats yeah. and I'm not putting myself under pressure to be like this has to get signed it's just like this is my way of just like cutting out the noise yeah. and just having some me time whereas like my kind of process to that before was um <laughs> putting on like selling sunsets or something because was <laughs> i didn't have to think about anything <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah totally but i think that's really beautiful because it's like you're being able to create the art and also use it as like a therapeutic kind of process which also is like the best way to write music like i don't Definitely. do i don't do it like that sadly anymore and i I have changed a few ways how i write but like for a long period of time like i haven't written dance music for myself for a very long time like it's because it's just like not fun to me it's like no it's like very formulaic in the way i think of how i write a dance record and things like that and i know that will change i know i'll get through it but like i love the concept of like getting excited to write music and yeah, it's just, I suppose cause I'm still discovering so much. Like, yeah. you've been making music for so long now. Yeah. Like, you are a master of your craft. It's almost like you have that knowledge, like, so full. Whereas I'm a bit like, how do I do this? And where does this go? And why is that not working? Whereas, like, you you probably don't have those questions constantly. <laughs> I'm jealous. Cause I'm know, jealous because I want... You know your shit. I want it to be how you are, though, because there was there was always a period of where you're like where you, you learn stuff and you make happy accidents and ah i love a happy accident yeah, that's the best i just made this like really sad like synth like this long synth note once and it was like it sounded like i wanted to pick a synth to sound like a violin yeah and um and i like just create this low note and then someone a scottish artist called joseph who i really love his manager like he really wants you to remix the song um, it's the chat's called it's been a little heavy lately mm. and this was the saddest like synth that noise that I'd ever made and it was like you say a happy accent and I just happened to save it in a project and I was like I'm gonna fucking add that really sad synth to this song that's called it's been a little heavy lately and it's gonna be perfect <laughs> and it's just like it just it was the biggest happy accent ever. I was like, oh, I knew that was going to come in useful. Yeah. Me just like m- like messing around and figuring out sounds. And I still have some, my only bugbear is like, I really would just love to like have more time to yeah. like produce and to make music. But what I do find is like when I've got like a long flight or if I'm on my own, it's my favorite thing to do. The only time, the only thing is I do get a bit conscious of people looking at me and be like, oh, you're a DJ, yeah, with your laptop <laughs> and your logic open. Right. It's, Especially when I fly to Ibiza on a Friday morning, people are like, yeah, we get it. 
They're usually too fucked but. that they don't even know what they're talking about anyway. Like every flight yeah, to Ibiza, yeah. they're all messed up anyway. Or else you get the person going, oh, you DJ's like, oh, can I come along? You've got a guest list and you're like, oh, oh God, no. I don't know how to say no to this. I just, um, I hate letting people down. So like I'm the worst for like if someone messaged me and they're like, can I get guests? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, why not? And then they're like a bot or something. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, she wanted to come and see me. <laughs> also, like a lot of people must know you though through Radio 1 as well. So you must get I'm like... quite a private person. Like I'm I've my it's a very hard line to walk. I think it's why I stopped doing TV because I realised actually how uncomfortable yeah. TV made me. Like I don't mind doing stuff like the Glassman coverage and Brits because it's what I'm loving and passionate about is music and festivals and, and bands and DJs and but um I I've always been very aware. I I've never wanted to be famous. Yeah. It's never ever anything that I've ever wanted in my life. And actually I've seen firsthand how how horrendous what fame can do to someone's life yeah and it, it doesn't often bring joy mm. it brings a lot of you know horrible stuff and some people really enjoy that attention i'm actually quite dare i say it my mum would say otherwise but i'm actually quite a shy person yeah um and I, it's if someone like I was on a plane recently and I saw, I was chatting with my friend, just like having a nice time. And it was a really innocent, like morning journey. They're coming out to Ibiza with me. And then I, I out the corner of my eye, I saw this guy's phone and he was passing it to his friends and they were all giggling. And then I just saw my name on his phone. It was like Ariel Free, mm. DJ Radio 1. And I suddenly then became really conscious that they were talking about me. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I've just been having like the most open conversation with my friend, probably about tampons and whatever, like girl stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I didn't really want people to be listening and on. And I was just like, it suddenly it shocked me. Yeah. And it made me feel really uncomfortable. And then I became very paranoid about what I was, I was aware. But then also like I did this cycle challenge for Comet Relief for Video One this year. And um, that was mental, probably by the, the most. Way. It was probably the most public thing I've ever done, but it was also the most exposed and vulnerable I'd ever been. Yeah. It was a challenge that um, broke me within the first day. And tell, tell people about I, it. My early it show, tell people about it. Um, so I, I, um, so every year we do a big comment really chance. Comment really for an amazing charity that don't just like give money to one charity. They fund loads of small charities worldwide and not just in the UK. And, um, they're really important because it's those smaller charities that really need that funding. And every year they do like a comment relief challenge. And, and for the last few years, it'd been the boys. And I had gone to the bosses and said, look, if you're doing another comment relief challenge, I want to do a DJ marathon. I want to do a raveathon for 48 hours. I would DJ for two days if I can and I'll just do it. And they were like, well, actually, that sounds like too much fun. Why don't we make it more physically challenging? And so what they did is we came up with a concept of me cycling whilst DJing. Originally, it was going to be a tandem and like other DJs could jump on with me and we'd go back to back and whatnot. And then actually they were like, no, why don't we get the big group cycle bikes you often see them on like hendus yeah, or like yeah. city tours the thing about these bikes is they weigh one and a half tons without anyone on it anyway uh 10 people can sit down eight people can cycle and then we had four producers in the middle two producers in the middle and then two one driver one person directing and then a safety person back so we had 14 people on the bike at time eight of which could cycle it didn't have a motor <laughs> And I, we did 10 hours a day for five days. So oh. five different cities, 10 hours a day, 50 hours in total. And um, after the first day, not to be graphic, but my legs were cut apart. Yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't a saddle that was made for endurance. I had been training and, you know, I'd had all the bum butter in the world and padded like, you know, cycle seats and padded shorts. But um, my legs are cut apart and it was like quite 
it's very painful. Mm. Um, but you trying to you got through it. But then as the week went on, the weather got horrendous. It was like something out of a film. We went from having like quite nice weather to suddenly it was like minus three and snow and Jesus. sleet and high winds, like battering against us. Um, and I've always prided myself to bring people joy. That's what I love about my job. I want to bring people joy. I want to introduce them to their favorite new songs. I want to just put a smile on their face. And what was really beautiful was that all the people who listened to me at the crack of dawn in the morning, who, you know, are often on their own and, and you know, I've been there for them, really rallied around for me. And, um, you know, there was uh, so many messages where they were like, Ariel's got me through like the darkest period of the night when yeah. I've been on my own. So what I'm going to get behind it. Because it makes me cry thinking about it. But it was, um, there was just some amazing people that I met through that. I met an amazing women called Tina who said because of comic relief like she still had a husband and yeah. a father to her children and she came on the bike in the last day as a surprise and the last day was horrendous like everyone was like you'll get to the last day and the adrenaline will get you through it and and it it wasn't that at all mm. it was the worst weather and it was broken and I could hardly move and I just really didn't want to let everyone down because everyone who had donated had donated based on me completing this 50 hours course, yeah, yeah. and the one solace about it was that and every 90 minutes we had new people come on the bike so i had to be like hey how are you <laughs> what tunes do you want to hear yeah, and yeah. but the best thing that got me through it was actually being able to dj and that was my focus the whole time yeah. if i didn't have that we had half an hour with the speakers blue and like the third day and it was the worst half hour of it of the challenge yeah i can imagine but um that did expose me quite a lot in a public way that i'd never had before because yeah. i'm on the radio you don't know what i look like you know totally. my voice maybe yeah um and I remember I had to DJ in Printworks the Saturday after. <laughs> it was like, they'd already picked me before we did this challenge. And I remember like walking into Printworks in London and these like kids just running up to me and they were like, oh my God, Ashley, what you did? And then they're like, these kids like later on, they were mashed up, were like guiding their face off and like calling me like their hero. And I was just like, oh God, this is so bizarre. Like yeah. there was such a huge thrust of, you know, suddenly people recognizing who I am and whatnot. Also, on the other hand, people just being like, fucking hell, like, well done. Like, what you mm. did was incredible. We raised over £600,000, which is an incredible amount it's of money amazing. for charity. But yeah, it's de- I definitely would rush <laughs> to do it again. I'm still dealing with, like, hip problems. and But they, they were amazing for from that. They had this incredible physio called Nick, who just recognised, like, when I needed to... Chill just go away and not speak to people yeah. and and he would crack me apart and make sure that I didn't have an injury that was going to last a lifetime but yeah. um there was one day second to last year where this guy was like you've only got one day left you've only got one day left you've only got one day left and she was right in my ear and she's a fitness instructor and I was like oh, oh. <laughs> and he, he had this thing called like if you ever need you're gonna have to you're gonna want to rage because yeah. your body is gonna be so pushed to its limit mm-hmm. and um he just found this little room and I was like, I'm not sure. <laughs> I didn't realize all the comic relief people could hear me. And I walked out and they were just looking at me in shock, like, because <laughs> I've been really lovely up until this point. And I was like, oh, give me a break of fucking psycho for 49 hours. <laughs> um, I mean, definitely something I'll never forget. And, and just more than anything, just the amount of money we raise and the time where time like money is really stretched and and hard to come by i can't i still can't get over the generosity of people it really highlights me how amazing some human beings can be i think that's the thing isn't it is there's some there's something amazing about radio um and what you guys do for the community and i think 
you don't necessarily realize until something like that big comes along and you get to like really everyone can kind of give back a little bit and i think that's what i absolutely love about the that the the british public for that if you know what i mean they they value yeah they value what you guys do so much and we take it all for granted sometimes but i think when when you get the opportunity to give back and to kind of see what people do like even if people are poor they will give and and i think it's it's yeah and not more than anything like there was someone who came uh, she like jumped to the train to join the last bike and and she said she phoned her boss on the bike and was like fuck's sake like the whole of the uk is rallying around this girl and you've not even fucking given any money from this company and you're worth millions for fuck's sake like like let's donate something from the the company and i remember thinking we were like a thousand pounds away from like a certain target point and um and then, yeah, she's like, British, like, you need to give us a thousand pounds now. Like, she really has a bully, like this guy. And to be fair, he did it in the end, bless him. But I was thinking, I was like, it's so funny, like, my company could probably afford the charity donation, whereas, you know, the women who came on the bike and, and said that they were really struggling, yeah. still managed to, like, put five pounds in. And I wanted, wanted to give her it back. Like, it was the worst is when this little girl came up to me and she gave me a card and, oh, God she'd put her pocket money in it and I was like oh That's like lush. you don't need to do that you're yeah. like you're like seven like you know but it was it was so lovely god he's gonna make me cry again I mean that was the worst thing the whole of the UK just saw me cry <laughs> for five <laughs> days and I don't I don't cry in front of anyone ever yeah. I think that was it was really shocking for people who listen to my show because I'm usually all like yeah let's do it and no matter how rubbish it is we're gonna get through it and suddenly they just saw yeah me at my most vulnerable and I just wasn't able to hide totally my emotions they were, it was just quite shocking for them yeah. and I think that's when everyone was like right in the out but you know it was like it was brain surgery and there's much there's loads of other people out there doing much bigger things I also think it's really important for people to see that I think there's a level of we all talk about mental health and we all talk about struggles of life and things like that and people we can talk about it but people don't really see it and see the struggle no, like it's definitely it's very behind closed doors definitely. and i think it's i think it's and i think really important so what you did is fucking amazing 100 percent. i mean i think one message that stood out for me was this guy who's like ariel i'm a 56 year old trucker i listen to you every morning on the show he's like i've never cried so much in my life and i feel like i've held a lifetime of tears back yeah and i was like i mean not that i wanted other people to cry but there was definitely, I think, a thing of everyone just being, being like relating, yeah, relating when you're like pushed to your limits or like struggling and whatnot, and and also the stories that you hear when when we do those comic relief things, you hear about the people who have been helped by the charity, and it, it really hammers home like just what some people have had to go through. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think we should call it quits on that. I think it's a really nice yeah. way to end this. Um, Thank you so much for coming on, mate. I really, I know we could no, carry you. on talking for hours, and but yeah, yeah. let's uh, let's call it. Um, how can people get in touch with you on social media? How can people listen to you? All that good jazz. So you can listen to me on Radio One, eight to ten PM at the moment uh, until September, which is UK time. I guess when this goes out internationally. Um, and then, oh, I'm pretty much Ariel Free in all my socials, which is not Ariel, so it's A-R-I-E-L-L-E, because that's the correct spelling for a female. Um, so Ariel Free uh, and Instagram and TikTok and 
uh, SoundCloud and Twitter. People still use that. And uh, <laughs> YouTube. Um, and yeah, my label is Free Your Mind, which um, I'm always open to getting tunes for. If you make like house or disco records or tech house. And I'm actually open to all genres. But um, yeah, that started going and got some really nice signings at the moment. So music at freeyourmindclub.com. Amazing, mate. Thank you so much. Um, keep safe. Thank and you. I will see you God, very I feel soon. Like I'm just in a therapy session. <laughs> I'm such an overshare. Sorry. Jesus. No, it was great. I really enjoyed it. And I think a lot of people will get a lot from it. So, um, oh, thanks, thanks so for having me, mate. I've watched it before. So I was like, this is great. Terry's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, fuck yes. Yeah. And that's a wrap. Big love to Ariel for coming on. Please go follow her. Go check her DJ sets out. They are always wild. Um, she's great. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe. Share it to your mates. Keep safe. See you next time.